0: listening to the Women Encouraged podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Berendrecht. We're all about growing in Christ and being shaped by His Word, so I'm delighted to be sharing with you these discussions with women who love the Lord, love His Word, and are pursuing a life of faithfulness in Him. We're praying that this is a place of blessing and encouragement for you. Welcome to the conversation. Hi, friend, and welcome back to this episode of the Women Encouraged podcast. I'm so glad you joined us today for this discussion with Abigail Dodds, author of Atypical Woman, Free, Whole, and Called in Christ. Abigail and I had a great chat about what it means to be a Christian woman and what it would look like if we actually looked to the scriptures and embraced what God declares about us. We also chat about being transformed in understanding who God has created us to be and what it means to be atypical. My prayer is that as you listen to our chat, God will challenge you to consider ways that you need to reorient your thinking according to His word and that you'll truly find hope in the gospel as you look to it for what it means to be a woman. Before I get started with our chat, I need to tell you about our sponsor for this week, HJB Financial Services. We're so thankful to Henry and his team at HJB for their support of the Women Encouraged Conference this year and for helping to keep Women Encouraged podcast on the air. We'll link to them in our show notes, but you can also find them on Facebook at HJB Financial Services. Let's get started with my chat with Abigail. I have to tell you, I don't think I've ever underlined in a book so much. And so much of that was just like gratitude that somebody had put all of this into words. I, I'm i so grateful, Abigail, that God worked in you as you wrote this book. And I'm genuinely praying this will be something that more and more women get their hands on and just invest themselves in understanding. But thank you yeah. so much for joining me today on the podcast. It's so much fun. I, I love getting to do this. Okay. Welcome to you. Um, would you share with us just who you are and a little bit of your story and introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to. Like you said, I'm Abigail Dodds. I am located in the Twin Cities of Minnesota, uh, where I'm married to my husband, Tom, Um We have been married for almost 17 years, and we have five children, um, ranging in age from 15. Our oldest daughter is 15 down to five years old, our youngest son. Um, So that is a big part of what I do in life. That is the primary thing that I do. Um, My husband owns a, a business, and so a big part of what I do also is just helping him. I don't work for the business, but I... I do help him as much as I can with things. And, um, and then I'm also in school. So I am at Bethlehem seminary, which is a school attached, kind of attached to our church. Um, and I'm getting my master's of arts in biblical theology and exegesis. So that's been a fun adventure and challenging, but really good. So that's, that's basically a snapshot of my life. A lot of studying, a lot of reading, a lot of carting kids around and it's good stuff. This book, A Typical
0: Woman, you wrote in the beginning of the book that you're partly distressed about Christian women today. And then you share um, what encourages you. Would you share about what you laid out there and, and just what led you to write this book?
1: Yes. Um, well, what I'm discouraged by, I guess I would say is fake courage, um, fake bravery. Uh, there are just many, many women, um, even Christian women or women who would call themselves Christians that are out there really telling us to be brave, to be courageous and to do hard things. And all that bravery and all that courage is Basically, just courage to be like the world. Um, It's almost like be brave and sin. Uh, Be brave and care only about yourself. And for a woman who knows a little bit about Christianity, who's maybe been raised in the church and has been told she shouldn't sin and that she should, you know, serve others or just some basic Christian messages, it probably does take some courage to reject what you've been raised with. Um, and so in some ways I, I do hear these women and I can tell that it did take them some courage to reject what God said. Um, but they don't call it that. And so it's, I do think it's, it deceives women into thinking that they're being brave for something good because bravery just has a positive connotation. But if you're being brave so that your thoughts, feelings, words, and self are more important and mean more than God's thoughts, words, and and what he says is true, then that really isn't real bravery. It's, it's an exchanging of the narrow road for the broad one. And that is really discouraging. Um, one other thing that's been discouraging me lately, I promise I'll get to positive things in a minute, but one other thing that has discouraged me. I don't talk about this in the book, but I have just noticed a vast number of Christian women on different uh, social media platforms who may have a very small following or may have a very large public platform. Um, But in either case, it's a public, it's an open public platform. And they'll describe themselves as a Bible teacher or someone who is in some way ministering to women or to Christians. And they almost completely, or they do completely avoid the issues of the day that would cost them something to say something about. So they just, you just will never hear anything about murder or abortion, or sexuality, or gender, or any of the touchy subjects that make you lose followers, you never hear it. And that has really just lately discouraged me. Um, and so I, what I would say the, the culpability there is that they're setting themselves up as some kind of an authority, whether they realize it or not. And when you do that, you have to speak the whole counsel of God. You cannot have a truncated doctrine of sin. You have to have the full doctrine of sin. So whether that means addressing materialism, wealth, that's another thing that almost never gets touched. Um, So all the different ways that the Bible defines sin, we have to be able to speak into the, to the world and the church, which is affected by the world in ways that are relevant. And I think there are a lot of women who don't want to do that because they, they're, it's, it reveals that um, what we're doing is really more about us than we are saying it is. So that's another thing that discourages me. But there are so many things that encourage me as well, which is there are just a ton of young women who want to know God in his word. They want to know him on his terms, not their terms. And they aren't afraid that he's going to say something that hurts their feelings. They're like, give it to me straight. Don't, don't sugarcoat it for me. Like I want to know what, who God really is, what he really says. And they are tired of fluffy platitudes and you know, the you go girl type stuff. So that's super encouraging. And the Lord is always going to preserve his church and his people. And there will always be people who are truly going hard after him and finding life in him. So there's always things to be encouraged by. Thank you for explaining that. I love that. When I read that in the beginning of your book, I just thought, oh my
0: goodness, this woman, this is this is my people. <laughs> but it's it's challenging. And I actually had a conversation on Sunday with a friend of mine and she said, I'm so tired of um, going and looking for a mentor and ending up with a woman who's just going to pat me on the head and say, oh, you're doing great. She's like, there have got to be women out there who want to do better and I cannot possibly be the only one who feels like this and mm-hmm. I said no you're not mm-hmm. and I know that there are women out there who are really truly seeking to know God to make him known for who he says he is and not just the the cute Christianese, the, you know, the Instagram Bible kind of um, Christianity that we often encounter. Um, And part of that problem, I think, is that we are so invested in social media. But part of this is a problem in our definitions. And Mm -hmm. you start off this book with definitions that we really truly need to get a thorough grasp of. So I'm wondering if you would define for us how how you define the words Christian and
1: woman in this book. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, buckle up because these are pretty complex. I'm just kidding. They're so simple. These are so simple, but you know we just live in an age where some of the most obvious things have become obscure. And so if we don't start with the basics, we get into a world of trouble because people are talking past each other. So I define a woman as someone who has been physically born as a woman, made by God as a woman. Um, Her physical body is the most obvious evidence of that. But um, being a woman is not something that simply resides in our female body parts. It is in every cell of our body, in every cell in our hands and our feet, as well as our female parts. So that's what being a woman is. It's simply something who is made someone who is made as a woman by God. And being a Christian is a parallel reality. A Christian is just someone who has been spiritually born, spiritually made new by God. Um, So both of them are not things that we earn. Both of them are not things that we achieve. They are simply gifted realities. And so God says that being a woman is a good thing. It's very good. Um, And so it's a gifted thing that he has given to us. And we graciously get to receive that just as being spiritually made by God reborn um, is also something, it's a gift that he gives us by his grace through Jesus Christ. Um, so they're, they're very similar realities um, and they are very simple realities
0: I really appreciated um, just some of the things that you said in your chapter, holy women. And I was kind of like imagining this Venn diagram that's kind of manufactured for us where it's like, you know, your your womanhood and and, and how that kind of overlaps with men. And then that stuff in the middle is your humanity. And the fact that, that God declares what's objectively true about us, that we are experiencing something that God has assigned to us and God has gifted us, Um, is actually a place of more security than we could ever produce for ourselves. But we have got to derive those definitions from Scripture. And so I think this is kind of an obvious one. But how does knowing and believing the Scriptures equip us in understanding what it means to be a woman?
1: Yeah, well, the Scriptures are absolute truth. So they are the perfect revelation of not only who God is, but all God has done. So they equip us to know not merely facts, but but truth and facts as well. What's so interesting is how the scriptures, which is God's written revelation, intersect with what's been created. And that's his um, spoken created revelation. So that's another way that he reveals himself to us. And so not only do the scriptures testify to us, like this is what it is to be a woman. It means that you are, it's the expression of your humanity. Um, You're made in the image of God. And um, here are some specific instructions that go along with that. So God gives us those things. Um, But also our bodies and what God has made by giving us physical bodies is also a way that God is speaking to us. He's telling us something about what we were made for. And, um, that is in it. And it intersects perfectly with his word. Um, it is, he, he does not contradict himself. Now we always have to land in the scripture ultimately, because the creation has been corrupted by sin. And so, Um, There are things in creation that won't perfectly reflect what he spoke into creation in the beginning, Mm -hmm. but there's still so much that does and there's still so much that we can learn um, from what has been made. So I think those two realities are really what help us to know what is this about? Why did you make me like this? You know, a lot of women I think struggle with the instructions of, um, the older women teaching the younger women to work and manage the home, things like that. Um, and yet when we look at our bodies and we realize that a woman's body, whether she has children or not, was originally equipped to grow, babies to be a home for for little humans to be this protective nurturing um life-giving womb to a small child it, i think it makes those instructions a lot less weird because if he made our bodies to be a home then it would make sense that he would call women to continue that work even after the baby is born you know mm, that he would yeah. continue to design us in such a way that we long to care for and nurture others um, in their growth and development. And so whether that's something that a woman actually does in her life, whether she has children or not, I think it's still exceedingly relevant to realize that your body was made that way because it will just help you see like, oh, well, that's not what God has called me to actually do because maybe he's called you to do some other things other than be married or give birth to biological children. But in the spiritual family of God, there are no barren women. All women have spiritual children. All women are made to nurture and care and grow life. And so I find it helpful to think about those two realities. Um, It's helped me to give more thanks for what God has put down in his word. Yeah, that's really
0: good to remember that that God created our bodies as an illustration of his intent for us. And yeah, I think it's it's tempting sometimes to go the way of liberal Christianity or progressive Christianity and think, well, our, we get so tied up in what we think women's roles are. And then if mm-hmm. we want to step away from those um, what you talk about, like 1950s law mm-hmm. bombs, <laughs> right Um you know, in order to understand who we are, we'll just kind of separate all the parts instead of understanding ourselves um, for who we are and how God has designed us. Um, I really did appreciate you made a, you gave an illustration of like the onion versus the apple tree. I'm wondering, would you tell that story, Um, share that Mm -hmm. illustration and just explain why understanding ourselves in this way is so beneficial? Yeah.
1: Well, I do think that most of us think of ourselves as layers. So like the outer layers of ourself are maybe not quite as important as the inner layers. And the further in you go, the more you get to the core or the most important thing about yourself. And so we kind of think of ourselves like, you know, an onion where we've got all these layers to ourselves, all these things that sort of define us and things that compose what we are. And then there's the core and that core we might call, well, I'm a Christian. So that's the most important thing about me, but there's all these other things about me too. And I think that when you become a Christian, you sort of say goodbye to the layers (laughs) because, um, the, a better analogy of understanding who we are and what the self is, is to think of a seed that has gone into the ground and died. And that seed that goes into the ground and dies is Christ. But not only is it Jesus, it's also all of us in Jesus. We go into the ground and we die with Christ and then new life sprouts up and that's Jesus. And that's us in Jesus as well. And all of a sudden there's a tree and the tree has a trunk and branches and fruit. And we aren't just sitting there on the countertop, autonomous and onion with all our very complex and amazing layers that we love to just analyze and analyze. That's not who we are. We are in Christ and we are on his tree. We are part of it and we aren't alone. We are also growing together with all the parts of his body that make up the church. Um, and so I just think it's a much better way to think of yourself, not as parts that you're trying to get to the core to sort of figure out who you are. If you are a Christian, you are in Christ and every single thing about you, the, the more what you might think of as the, the lesser important things and the most important things, all of them are in Christ. That's who you are. And so I also think it just, it keeps us from doing too much navel gazing when we can think of ourselves that way, because it's the reality of our union with him. And we don't want to just spend our lives like trying to peel back our layers and look inside our belly button.
0: That's beautiful, actually, because there's there's so much comfort in that. And I think so many women are looking for comfort, but they're separating all the parts of themselves and not understanding who they truly are in Christ. And so that's so helpful and encouraging. Um, What does it mean, Abigail, to be
1: atypical? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. In the way I talk about it in the book, what I'm trying to say is that our job as women is not to be normal, it isn't necessarily to be relatable. it. And our job is to be like Christ. And he was quite atypical. <laughs> I mean, we are never going to be atypical in the way he was because he's a savior of the world. He is fully God and fully man. But as his followers, as his people, we ought to be shining like stars, we, I mean, now that sounds kind of cheesy now that it just came out of my mouth, but it is from Philippians. We shine like stars in the world um, with the light of Christ. And so I think we need to lay down this desire to be normal, um, not to be strange. We, If we're strange, if we're alien, that should be an opportunity to give thanks to God because that means we're doing something right or Christ in us is so shining, is so real that we are now identifying with him in his set apartness. And we want to do that. And we should be scared if nothing about us ever does look weird or alien or strange. If we never feel that deep ache and longing for a better home, if this world just feels like home to us, that should be a cause for concern. And so I just want to call women to this reality of holiness, but also the the reality of Christ suffered. He had nowhere to lay his head. He was not well-loved or well-liked by many. And so we should expect no different than our Savior. A servant is not better than their master. And um, so just to, to call women into that, and that takes true courage.
0: Absolutely. And it's so hard when you if you've invested your life and your heart really in just wanting to be appreciated and liked by your Mm -hmm. peers, you're not going to be looking at Jesus the right way because your heart is really anchored in that approval. Um, And so you're not going to be courageous in the sense that you're willing to be set apart, you're willing to walk in holiness. That's such a foreign concept to so many women, sadly. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think there's a there's a bit of an infection in our in in evangelicalism right now that's really hard to watch happening biblical womanhood is such a sneered at concept not just by majority culture but um just women who would consider themselves progressive christians you mm-hmm. know we kind of you kind of touched on this before but um when we're looking at the scriptures just as a how-to manual we're not going to be able to understand mm-hmm. um how we live truly because we're not understanding what it is to be transformed. I'm wondering if you would t- just touch on what it is like to be transformed and have our, our view of biblical womanhood transformed at the same time.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Well, this was a big part of, of why I think I wrote the book and what I would just long for in women is to... Be found in Christ. Until you are found in Christ, the Bible will feel like a heavy burden, um, and the the teaching that is directed at women will feel not nice. <laughs> um, it will not. It will. It will cut against the grain. But what I want women to see is that when you have been united to Christ, when Christ truly is your life something changes inside you and you are able now to see God's, the fences that he has put up in your life, the boundaries, you will find them to be pleasant and beautiful and wonderful. And so um, one of the things that I really don't want women to do is I do not want Christian women to get in the habit of tolerating God. We do not tolerate his teachings. Um, We don't sort of just say, well, I don't like it, but it's there, so I guess I'll go along with it. The goal of and the and the privilege of belonging to God is that we get to see all his works and ways and say, this God, his way, is truly perfect. Um, We see his ways not as some kind of a killjoy, not as some kind of a punishment, but as truly for our deepest good. That is what it means to be a Christian is to see that God is good, to see that he, he is truly a good God, that everything about him is perfect. And so the transformation that has to happen first is new birth. And um, for Christian women who have truly been born again, and yet who have gotten in the habit of tolerating God, um, I would just say, man, it's it's an opportunity to ask God to show you the beauty and the per- perfections that reside in His Word and His ways. Um, ask Him to help you see Him and His ways as for your good. And I would just ask you to test him in it. Now, don't test God. I don't mean like put God to the test. I just mean, try it out. Try it out. Try out obedience <laughs> and just see if it doesn't produce more joy in you than you could have asked or imagined. Try it out by faith. Start walking in faith with obedience that you don't know what it's going to look like on the other side. Mm. because who who hopes for what they can see I mean faith is (laughs) it is faith and so by faith try obeying God try listening to what he says when he talks to to you as a woman in the ways that it really grates at you just try submitting to your husband see how it goes and see if there isn't joy for you on the other side of it yes and faith isn't isn't
0: knowing exactly what's going to happen. It's right. believing that God is true and that his word is true for us. Right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I think it's so, um, it's been heartbreaking to me to, to have conversations and to watch, you know, things pop up on the internet that, um, they're just women questioning whether God is is truly good. I mean, there are women who have genuine questions about mm-hmm. um canon, about understanding is this really God's word? I mean, there are women with genuine questions and you can see their heart is really to understand mm-hmm. what's true, what what am I supposed to be applying? You can tell when that's what's going on. I think um and then there's women who really are not um they are, in many ways, leading others astray because mm-hmm. they're just trying to push the boundaries. They're trying to push their own interpretation. I mean, it's so hard to watch that because there's women who f- who go headlong mm-hmm. after this bad mm-hmm. theology. But if we went ahead as women and you say, like, try God's ways out and try out what God has laid out for us, what would it look like in the church at large if women were to truly embrace Christian womanhood in, in his way, unashamedly, unembarrassed about what he
1: says? What would that look like for us? Oh, man, I think it would look like true courage. I think it would look like no longer apologizing for God, no longer tolerating God, but being able to really experience the freedom and joy that comes in God, which is the freedom to stop sinning. And there is nothing in the whole world that makes anyone more miserable than sin. It may look happy and fun for a short while, but sin is the true killjoy in life. And so if we could learn to embrace what God has laid out for us in his word, his whole world word. Um it, just walking as a his disciple, um, I think we would start to see women who are finally, finally able to put the, the nail in the coffin of insecurity. I mean, insecurity is just a plague among women and, and Christian women too, some. Um, and boy, Christ has come to make us secure. We we are right now hidden away in Christ at the right hand of God. God says that we are currently, right now in this moment, even as we have this conversation, somehow hidden away in Christ at God's right hand. And that when Christ returns, that we also will return with him in glory. I mean, this is mind boggling. I don't understand it fully, but oh my word, do I feel secure Knowing that whether I live or whether I die, whether um, this book gets, you know, picked up by some, some hate as some hate crime and I get thrown in jail, I have no idea. Um, Whatever happens, though, I am currently hidden with Christ in God. And I don't have to worry. And and that's a massive security. And so imagine how that security could apply to the small things that we're insecure about. Like, oh, I didn't feed my kid the same thing as my friend. Or, oh, our bedtime is at 9 p.m. instead of 6.30, like all the good parents. Or, oh, you know, there are a thousand things that Christian women are insecure about. And Oh, man, I think that being able to embrace who God is and then what he has said and the boundaries that he's put in our lives, being able to love the standard rather than just tolerate the standards that he's put into our lives would make for absolutely secure, stable, discerning, loving, risk-taking, free women. And that would be beautiful. That would that would change the world. Well, I have to say I'm genuinely
0: excited for what God is going to do because mm-hmm. I do believe that this is His plan for us and that, mm-hmm. and that as more and more women realize that obedience is not a word to cringe at, <laughs> yes. I just, which makes me sad because I feel like we just misunderstand what obedience means at it and we're just i was talking to somebody actually was giving a talk and and um had so many women come up and ask me about this phrase and i had because i had said um you know, obedience is out of the overflow of what God has done for us. It assumes a relationship exists. Mm-hmm. It's not trying to hold up your own righteousness before God or and secure yourself for the future. But this was mind blowing for people because whenever you say obedience, they just go, oh, well, excuse me, legalist, you know? <laughs> they oh, just right. don't yeah. even. And and it, and it's sad to me because there's so much freedom in uh-huh. obedience. There's uh-huh. so much hope and joy in obedience and, and trusting that God is true and that his word is true and he's faithful, um, and that he does bless us. Mm. I mean, it may not always look the way we want it to, but he does bless us. So I'm, I'm so excited, actually, mm. and I'm so hopeful that as we walk faithfully, that we get to really, truly know God, that this is the future God has for his church. Mm. And so thank you for laying that out for us today. Yeah, happy to. All right. Um, before we close out, would you share something um, that the Lord has been using to grow you in your walk with Him or
1: with fellow believers? That's a that's a great question. I think I'll just point to school. Um, I'm doing so much reading for school and so much studying, and the Lord has just really used it to help me appreciate the cost of the many men Um, in particular, but also some women who have given their lives to the study of God's Word, to the study of original languages, um, just to dedicated study. Um, It is not easy, um, and there's a toll that it takes. Um, And so I'm just so appreciative of that. One thing we did in our New Testament class that just ended is that we— had to summarize in one sentence every book of the New Testament. And that really was such a powerful, good experience to be forced to put the message of each book of the New Testament into one concise and readable sentence. Um, And then we had to defend our sentences um, as a cohort. And it was just so, first of all, beautiful to see what the message of the New Testament is that... Jesus Christ has come to save and that he is going to come again and make all things new. And, um, but then just to, to be equipped with that tool of having, um, having a a fast knowledge of what each book is basically about so that when I'm talking with people or when I'm, whatever it may be, um, I can access that information and it's in a really small, concise way. So all that to say, it's been so good and so helpful. And I'm so thankful that that God's allowing me to do that. That's so neat. You're kind of living my dream. I'm excited for you. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you again for joining me today, Abigail. I really enjoyed this. I would love to talk more with you over all the parts of this book, but I'm just really excited to share this with women and um, just praying that the Lord continues to use this in hearts and minds and, and continues to bless you as you pursue Him. So thank you so much. Thank you, Bethany. Thank you for joining us for this episode. If you'd like to know more or you'd like to see the show notes, you'll find them at womenencouraged.ca and you can also connect with us on Instagram at Women Encouraged or on Facebook at the Women Encouraged page. Psalm 18, 28-31 For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop. And by my God, I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord, and who is a rock except our God? The God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. If we are confused by the world around us or by our own fleshly feelings about who we are, and what we need to be as women, the first place we must look is God's word. Our creator God is the one who assigns our womanhood, and so he is the one with the final word on who we are and what we ought to be. In Christ we are hidden and protected from accusation and condemnation from the world, the flesh, and the devil. If we will invest our lives in knowing Him through His word, we will find this word proves true and that we are protected and shielded in Him. When we come to God believing that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him, we can stand equipped, strengthened, and confident that we are blameless in Christ, that He is trustworthy, His promises are true, and His ways for us are good. Who is God but the Lord?